T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The Score! Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. It's great to be back inside the clubhouse right here at 670 The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, and we will intentionally walk you through the next two hours talking White Sox, talking Cubs from 9 to 11, as we do every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year. Hello, Bruce. How you doing? David, welcome back. Uh, we had nice contributions from our, our good friends, uh, Mark Grody and Mike Esposito, but it's nothing like having you back home in the driver's seat as we proceed along toward uh, the All-Star break, uh, getting close, just past the one-third mark of the baseball season, and plenty to talk about today. Uh, we will talk uh, very much about uh, Tony Larusa and the Chicago White Sox, also the Chicago Cubs, and anything you want on, as far as baseball goes at 312-644-6767. That's our show number. That's our show text line. And, David, uh, it was an interesting few days with the Chicago White Sox. Where would you like to begin? Well, I think that is where everybody would like to begin. I, just a couple housekeeping things, Bruce. I think when you look at – you know, what's happened this week, it's been an eventful one in, in both sides of town. You have the Cubs at Yankee Stadium with Anthony Rizzo, the, the opponent this weekend. You've got the Rangers in town for the White Sox. But everything about the context of the conversation surrounding Chicago baseball changed, I think, you know, Thursday when Tony La Russa made the decision to walk Trey Turner intentionally with the one and two count to make way for Max Muncy. And when you make that decision, and Max Muncy made it look like a foolish one by homering and the, the three-run homer in a two-run game. So the White Sox lose 11-9. to That decision backfires. Tony La Russa doubles down on it. You were there to hear him do that. We will get to all of it. We'll hear from Ozzie Guillen. 
but I think we want to hear from listeners as well, the audience. How bad of a mistake was that to you, the Sox fan? How bad of a mistake was it to you, the baseball fan? 312-644-6767. Bruce, we were very tough on Tony La Russa during the Mully and Haw show on Friday morning. I think he received a lot of criticism throughout the day, not only on Sports Talk Radio, but in bars and living rooms and all over baseball at Guaranteed Rate Field. So I guess I would, I would turn it back to you with a question. You were there yesterday. How do you think the Sox responded, and how long will this controversy linger? Well, I think the, the controversy is more about uh, Tony La Russa, uh, than it is about what Tony La Russa did, okay? Because... Uh, there still seems to be a lot of pushback as to Tony La Russa being the manager. I, I, I feel that, um, you know, regardless of results, um, La Russa is always going to be uh, the center of attention as far as the fact that the assumption by Chicago White Sox fans from the beginning to the end, and it's probably a true assumption, is that uh, La Russa was hired by Jerry Reinsdorf, not by the... Uh, entire baseball uh, management team. And I, I think from, from that point on, from the, that very beginning, that didn't sit well with White Sox fans. That didn't sit well with critics. That didn't sit well with sports radio uh, hosts. The fact Bruce, that, again, yeah. Not, not to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but not only did it not sit well with everyone you just that mentioned, sorry. But the, it didn't sit well with people who work for Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, is that overstating okay. it? I don't uh, think yeah. so. No, I, no, no. I'm just saying that from the very beginning, this is going to be pushback and and people looking to see and observing what it is. And and when there are things that don't work out, when there are quote unquote mistakes, as he put it, where it didn't work out, uh, he is going to get the brunt of it. Uh, the reality of the that game was how did the White Sox get down 5 nothing in that game? Defensive error. A Jake Berger bobble. A, a mistake and, in the field by a team that continues right. to be fundamentally challenged. Okay, thank you. So what I'm saying is, you know, and, and, and I love Berger and I think Berger is starting to be one of the most popular White Sox players just because of his big clutch um, uh, hits and also the fact that he uh, that hustle yesterday uh, beating out a double play ball started that inning where they ended up winning that ball game with the five run rally. But the reality is, is that that game five nothing uh, was set up by Berger's error and also an error, an error of commission and an error of omission, not charging a ball by uh, by Trey Turner, understanding the circumstance extending that inning and making that a big inning for them. So, so the, the reality is, is that um, you, you have players who have underperformed. You have a team that has had a tremendous amount of injuries to impactful players. A lot of teams do. The White Sox aren't the only one. But the, real, the reality is, is that looking at the La Russa situation, when things go bad and when he does make a mistake, and it's apparent uh, that that turned out to be a mistake, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, cancel culture all the way. I mean, it's like you made that mistake. All right. We don't like you from the beginning. We want you gone. Okay. That's, that's I mean, well is that fair? 
I respect your opinion. It is it is fair because it's a point of view that I don't think we have heard a lot of on this radio station and maybe doesn't exist throughout the city. But here's here's where I stand. And and I, and I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with cancel culture. This is just my opinion. And I want to be consistent with what I said yesterday. I, I think that the other reality is, is that the White Sox are on the verge of a championship. The window was wide open, Bruce. And I think that the if you doubt that, they don't because they have told us that throughout the entire offseason since they lost to the Astros. Frankly, before that point, going back to the day that they hired Tony LaRussa, why did they get rid of Rick Renteria? Why did they go? Why was he not considered the guy able to take them to the next step? Because Tony LaRussa was available and Jerry Reinsdorf identified him as that guy. So that's the no, I don't. I don't think that's correct, David. I don't think that's correct. How I think is that, that wrong? Because Renteria was was mishandling pitching. Uh, both Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, and Jerry Reinsdorf acknowledged the fact that they didn't like how he was handling the pitching, and he was going to be gone. Okay? okay. Larusa came after that. Okay. Okay. That came long afterwards. All right. Okay? Fine. So so you correct for the record. Okay. I, then I don't even need to go that far back. When the White okay. Sox were, were when the White Sox were prepared to hire a World Series caliber manager in AJ Hinch, my sense is my understanding is Jerry Reinsdorf intervened, and Jerry Reinsdorf made this call over the judgment, squashing the input of his executives who were hired to make that hire. So this is the point. Mm-hmm. There's always something that's coming up. And if you hired Tony LaRussa to provide you a strategic advantage, it's been the opposite since he was hired. The, I, the I Sox don't, are don't always operating from a, from a strategic disadvantage, it seems. The acumen and awareness that you hired to put them over the top, have, that's been flawed from day one. And this just is a situation that's I, I been magnified and underscores it. I don't, I don't see it. I, I do see we've jumped. We, we've actually jumped from – one topic to the, the more important topic, which is, is LaRusso the right manager for this team? Okay. Okay. So th- I'm, I'm with you on that. As far as his success or lack of su- success, I think they won a division last year. Did, did he, did they not? They did. They won 93 games. Okay. Yep. Okay. And I think they had a, an injured pitching staff from the uh, all-star break on that was really not one of the top quality teams in baseball when they got into the playoffs. I believe they were under 500 because of a lot of that uh, from the all-star break on or right at 500 from the all-star break on last year. And, uh, and pretty much right there right now. But Bruce, even the most ardent Tony LaRusso supporters have to acknowledge this has not been a smooth operation, that there have been situations that have come up and there have been, examples that are easy to cite i mean we don't need to go through them all but they have accumulated now to the point where this has not gone according to plan i i I respect the fact they won a weak division but they weren't they weren't at the elite level last year during the playoffs that they needed to be and the understanding this year was that that team was going to be different and this year was going to be special right now not that different not that special well, why? But why is it? Is it Tony Larusa, or is it the injuries and the players not playing up to their ability? There have been injuries; those have to be factored in. 
And when you have injuries and you are compromised and you have a roster that you want your manager to try to overcome as many deficiencies and and, and to compensate for that as possible. And I just don't think How do you do that? Uh, You you have Grandal. You have Abreu up until the last two weeks. You have Garcia, okay. Uh, You have Moncada. None of these guys have played up to their uh, baseball card, their numbers. None of them. Uh, You have... You have Eloy out for the year. You have, have Anderson, or has been out most of the year. You have Anderson, who is not, uh, who who is uh, hurt, and obviously the igniter of the offense and the juice of the team out. Uh, again, no one should feel sorry for the White Sox, but let's look at the reality of the situation. Some of the guys that are playing in the lineup are backup players in the major leagues. That's what they are. They're not supposed to be playing every day. And, uh, and they, they haven't gotten it done. Gavin Sheets had a, a wonderful uh, last month of the season last year for the White Sox, helped them enormously. Uh, failed to get it done this year, back in the minor leagues right now. So there are, there are a number of things happening that have nothing to do with Tony La Russa. Now, okay, but- now the, am I defending La Russa's decision to, uh, to walk um, – Trey, Trey Turner. Turner, one and two? No, I'm not. Uh, I, I, I believe the count was wrong. Now, I'll ask you this question, David. Okay. If the, after the wild pitch, okay, and you know Muncy has struggled all year, at what count would you consider walking Turner, knowing that his average has been so great uh, with one, two counts, with any counts, and uh, the fact that you know, is it two-two? Is it three-one? Is it three-two? When do you give him the pass? I am not a Hall of Fame baseball manager, but you ask the question, I'll give you what I would have done and how I would have approached it. I would have nibbled at the corners. I would have tried to, you know, unintentionally, intentionally walked Trey Turner. I would have tried to get him to chase. It's one and two. You've got two strikes. You're one strike mm-hmm. away from ending the inning. You're one strike away from avoiding the catastrophe that followed. I would have shown Max Muncy a little bit more respect because, yeah, he has started slowly. Yes, this year he hasn't hit lefties. Historically, though, that's not the case. And historically, when you look back at every full season that Max Muncy has played of the last three or four, he's a 35 home run guy. And, oh, by the way, by the way, if you're paying attention in the Sox dugout, he doubled his last time up. So he wasn't as bad as he was made out to be when you walk Trey Turner with two strikes. So that's well, what I would we're, have We're done, talking Bruce. about Sousa facing him at this point, a left-hander, well, a you specialist. Don't like the pitcher. Change pitchers. Don't, <clears throat> don't set yourself up by walking somebody with two strikes. Bruce, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I just wonder this, and, and this is, this is this, uh, there's a lot of things I wonder, but as much as we have people that will defend Tony Larusa and I understand his resume, it, if, if, I, I'm if not defending only, him here. Well, you're defending the idea that he is the right. Or, uh, he, I'm saying that I question whether or not he's the right manager for the White Sox to take this team yeah, as far that, as that's, it can go. Uh, I, I love the idea. I love the conversation. And I think we should keep moving it forward. 312-644-6767. Chime in. Uh, if not Tony Larusa, who would you like managing the Chicago White Sox? David, I'll ask you the same question. Well, okay, before we get to that point, I want to ask you this. The audience that matters is the one in the clubhouse. And it frankly doesn't even matter who, who the, the people that work at 35th and Shields, the, the executives. It's, it's, it's a one-man decision. This is a Jerry Reinsdorf 
I think, call. But do the players lose any sort of respect? Do they have any credibility issue with their manager after an example like that? Because we heard from the Dodgers, and they were laughing at this. They were sort of chuckling at the idea. We saw around baseball what people had to say. How do you think, Bruce, you were out there yesterday, the players really feel about the decision Tony Larusa made? I think a lot of them think it was a mistake. I, I think a lot of people, because why was it a mistake? Because it didn't work out. Why was it a mistake? Because it was one and two. Uh, was it a mistake ever to, to walk one of the best players in baseball, one of the hottest players in baseball? No. Uh, the count itself didn't, uh, didn't register with most people, okay? Uh, right. Tony was anxious after the wild pitch to get to <clears throat> Sousa against Muncie, not mess with uh, one of the top players in the game right now, rather deal with a player that's uh, been struggling from the left side against a young left-headed pitcher that's done really well against lefties. But the, rea- the reality is he's done well against righties and maybe even better. So, so that's not, that's, the numbers don't necessarily support it. <clears throat> what I'm saying here is <clears throat> if, uh, if the pushback is so great, mm-hmm. why is the pushback so great? And what is the result that's going to satisfy White Sox Nation? What is going to satisfy people who watch the game? Uh, will it be the firing of Tony La Russa and the replacement of blank? Okay. Right. Uh, I, I want to know that. I want okay. I want this story advanced, okay? I, I don't want to <clears> – <throat> we, we, we will talk for two hours about Ozzy's opinion. La Russa is going to come back, and we, we have sound from him yesterday talking I'll, about it as well. <clears throat> I, I am, I'll advance I'm as interested I'll as anybody it. out there. Okay. Look, we'll play that game mm-hmm. because this is what we do. It's a mm. conversation, and with conversations, if you have a problem, you need to offer a solution. I would tell you that I would – is it's it's highly unrealistic and it, it is just conjecture when you say okay is either Joe Madden or Joe Girardi a better choice because that's not going to happen even though I would prefer either guy. Now AJ Przinsky, who our guy Sully wrote about very well and was in town on Thursday, ironically <laughs> enough, was in the booth and also talked to reporters. Paul Sullivan wrote a great column in the Tribune Friday morning, wondering of whether or not AJ Przinsky would be an alternative there. I would take that. I would go with that. I would see what that happens. And, 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 but I think the obvious right. choice is the guy we talk to in, uh, on Friday morning and the guy we get a, a chance to hear every day uh, in, in NBC Sports Chicago pregame and postgame, Ozzie Guillen. If, if, the, mm-hmm. if the White Sox changed managers and hired Ozzie Guillen to go the rest of the way and to, to provide a spark that this team desperately needs, I think a lot of people – publicly would be totally on board with it from a popularity standpoint but i also think from a baseball acumen standpoint it's easy to justify he's got a world series ring for goodness sake 312-644-6767 do you like david's premise should the white Sox move on from la Russa? Uh, 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 are we stuck on uh this incident as not really being the topic because i don't believe it is I believe the topic is the team is playing poorly. It's underachieving. Should the manager at this point wear it? 312-644-6767. And, uh, and David, Bruce, there's, no, there's, no, there's no dancing around this. There's no dancing me. around. You just, 
You just nudged me in a direction I wasn't ready to go yet. But you just nudged me. Okay. It's great to be back. It's, the, it's really the crux of it, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. I love it. It's great. You know what? It's a fascinating conversation. We're going to continue it. We're here until 11 o'clock. We have a great show ahead. And I'm looking forward to our conversation in a few minutes with Jason Benetti, who was on the call when all of this happened and has been there every day uh, and every step along the way. Looking forward to his perspective. Looking forward to yours, too, as well. Call us, Texas. Let us know. We're here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Now, wait a second. They're going to intentionally walk him. On one and two? Yep. Can you explain that to me? I would think you don't want Turner to do any more damage, and you want to take advantage of the lefty-lefty. Typically, at two strikes, the league batting average is quite low. Oh, yeah. It is that. When was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walked on one and two? Didn't happen often. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock. Thank you to NBC Sports Chicago for that highlight from Thursday's White Sox-Dodgers game. And that was the voice of Jason Benetti, a familiar one to everyone in Chicago, uh, in Chicago sports and across the country as he continues to uh, go this weekend. I believe Peacock, uh, he'll call the Guardians and the A's game on Sunday morning, and we're lucky to have him join us now. Guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Morning, David. Morning, Bruce. How you doing? Doing well. Jason, you were all of us, I think, watching that, and I think you handled that well, as long with uh, Steve Stone. Obviously, Thursday, a very awkward situation um, watching this all unfold. And when you said, can you explain that to me, to Steve, I think you spoke for everybody watching. As you hear that, as you look back, how would you describe, you know, in real time, what was going through your mind as that unfolded? Well, the the first thing I thought was, hey, uh, did did I did, did like he get hit? Was there a like was there something else that was by rule called there? Because you just don't see that intentional walk on that count. Like it's a very, very rare thing. So when I said, wait a second, and, I, you know, Steve came in with the intentional walk. I was like, are they intentionally walking him? And they were. And so, you know, I was like, well, is there something here that maybe Steve has seen over the course of 50-plus years in the game that is for some reason beyond my reach here? I didn't think so, but I was just, I was like, wow, this is not something you see terribly often. So uh, off we went. The, the good news about baseball season is that you play again tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow. And it's like, um, it's like kind of billboards uh, on a highway that if you stare at one too long, even if it's really memorable for you, you're probably going to go into a guardrail. Jason, uh, pleasure having you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, 
My question to you on Larusa is: Do you feel? Uh, and again, I think you have as good a finger on the pulse of White Sox Nation as anybody, having grown up here, uh, White Sox fan, having uh, now you know one of the plum jobs in the in the game as an announcer for the White Sox on, on television. Um, do you feel when the White Sox win that Larusa gets any credit for any of that? Or is there a tremendous amount of pushback still from the very beginning uh, because of the Tony hiring and how that went down? You know, credit is such a, it's such a moving target because I think baseball season, like in the end, did you win the whole thing or didn't you? Like, I don't, I think it's very ephemeral what's happening uh, with people giving credit because if you're 27 and 29, there's not a whole lot of credit to be given out to anybody. And then if this team rattles off, however many, I mean, the Joe Madden situation, I think is extraordinarily instructive to anybody following baseball because like you get in a season and you know, it's one of 162 and you know, two weeks are just two weeks. But sometimes two weeks looks so bad that somebody wants to pull the trigger on a decision. And sometimes that's the right decision, and sometimes that's the really wrong decision. I know Joe felt like it was a really wrong decision, that it was rash for a team that had been going through injuries. So I just I think credit in mid-June is something that's just going to evaporate one way or the other anyway. So I, you know, I, it's really hard because I know, like, I want people – I used to watch the Sox every day and live and die with every day because if you're playing, you might as well win, right? But, like, I yeah. don't think there's anything to evaluate necessarily in the credit department now because it's about what happens in October. Joined by Jason Benetti here on The Score. And, Jason, I- I'm curious, as you go – around the league, and I think you're doing a terrific job on the, on the Peacock Sunday morning uh, broadcast, and it exposes you to a lot of different pl- uh, broadcasters you're working with, a lot of different environments, and, and when people inevitably, I'm sure, ask you about the White Sox, do you find your response being a consistent one? Do you have a reflex response because of your role in the booth or because – the more you, you, the more you travel, or the more you expose other teams, do you find yourself being even more objective? I, I'm just curious on how you answer that question when tomorrow morning somebody's going to say to you, "So what was that all about?" and and where, where's your team headed? How, how do you typically answer that? Yeah, I think I think it depends on the week, David. Honestly, I mean, it, it has been a wild run for this team because there it feels like. Every week, week and a half, there's a moment of, whoa, this isn't good, or wow, here come the socks, right? Like, that's what happens when you're 27 and 29, 28 and 28, like, you're hanging around 500. I just, I, I think this has been one of the most intriguing teams in baseball because they're dealing with real true expectations for, I guess you could say, the second time, even though last year came off that weird year. So, I, but I do think the answer is going to keep shape shifting too, because like you can't you can't discount the schedule as it is right now either. Like it's getting easier and it's getting more favorable for this team. But my answer honestly is like 
either whoa or yeah, they look really good right now. I mean, they, when when this team opened winning two of three against the Rays and Mariners after two of three against the Tigers, it's like, all right, off we go. And then there was that pocket of games against the AL Central that were not good at all. And I, I do think it's part injuries, but I also just think it's been a little bit of a, uh, a cobblestone road for this team so far. Jason Benetti joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. And Jason, um, looking at this team in spring training and coming off of last year and uh, looking at it now, do you have a different opinion about what it's capable of? Um, because obviously huge injuries have impacted this team. Uh, some guys just not playing up to their potential for over a third of the season. Is there anything different about your thought process about the ability of this team to win a World Series from that time uh, in spring training till now? Uh, has your opinion changed at all? No, no, uh, because the, the no I say is the, how you ask that. Like, I still think they can win the World Series. Absolutely. And I think it in part because of the Braves last year and the Nationals in 2019. Like, baseball is 162, but if you get scorching hot late, which this team did early last year, I still think it's all right there. I mean, these the, the, the playoffs are a couple games here and a couple games there, and if you get hot, you get hot. I know it generally exposes weaknesses, and the Sox have things they need to shore up, absolutely, but I, I don't think you would call me Pollyannish for saying that the team who's still favored by Vegas to win the AL Central has a chance to win the World Series. Like, I think that's on the table, but they do need to do things better in certain ways. Whether it's making a move via trade, whether it's, it's getting people back, do you, do you feel like this is a – to, to do what you just described, and, and I'm not ruling them out either. I, I think this is – you look at the talent, Jason, and it's it would be foolish, I think, to write them off on, on June 10th or 11th. But do they have to make a move? Do they have to create a spark? Do they have to do something? And, and I don't think that necessarily the, the manager making a move there is going to happen, so it's almost like a, a hypothetical you can't even consider. But do they have to maybe make a trade to make something different happen? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't think the deadline will go without anything for this team. Uh, but I also think, like, if Yasmani Gret, like, last night, part of the eight runs was a Yohan Moncada RBI and a Yasmani Grandal couple of nice at-bats along with runs driven in. So if you get that, and, and I know fans don't want to hear me say, well, that's like adding at the trade deadline. But added value is added value. And I'm not saying at the exclusion of deals or whatever it might be. But, I, yeah, I think you need to have extra from somewhere because the current level isn't enough to be more than two under at this moment. Like, you are what you are, and that's what they are record-wise at this point. So added value in certain places. And whether that's Lance Lynn, which I like of the injuries – other than Tim Anderson, I think not having Lance Lynn and the way he carries himself and his level of success, those combine to make a very powerful personality in a clubhouse that can change the timber of what's going on. So I really do believe the Lance Lynn thing is huge for this team. And then you get Tim Anderson back and you start to feel like yourself again. Because I do think 
over the course of a season, sometimes teams don't feel like themselves and they don't act like themselves. And then when you get that back, whatever causes that, I think it can turn on a dime. We've seen it over and over again in this sport. Jason, uh, on another note, um, you are considered one of the top broadcasters in the game. I want to know who had the most impact on Jason Benetti as far as uh, looking at his career, what he, what he wanted to do, how he went about it. Who had that? Who had the biggest impact on you as far as broadcasters go? And who right now do you enjoy listening to? And I imagine. There's more than one. Yeah, a couple of the guys that answer the first question are the the second question answer as well. Uh, I, Ian Eagle, who does CBS and Turner and the Nets in Brooklyn, uh, Ian is number one, a fantastic announcer, and two, just a, a riotously funny guy when you have dinner with him. But he also brings some of that to the telecast. And Sean McDonough is that way, too. I mean, he's got such a powerful, commanding presence. But he also can work with partners like Billis and Raftery on the Big Monday stuff. Like, that was my wheelhouse uh, once I got to college. I mean, Hawk is decidedly on the list because I've I've heard Hawk do more games than anybody else in my life. And it's not close because I was growing up watching Hawk and Wimpy. And, you know, Wimpy's in there, too, even though he's not a play-by-play announcer, just his sensibility of, hey, this is fun. Let me go to the ballpark every day and enjoy it. Um, in terms of people who I, I really enjoy right now, like, I, it's, it's a lot of, the, you know, Ian and Sean McDonough and Brian Anderson from the Brewers and Turner, I think, is magnificent. My old partner from uh, Syracuse and AAA, Kevin Brown, has taken over the play-by-play guy on TV for the, the Orioles. And he also just did the uh, Women's College World Series for, pardon me, for ESPN. I think he's truly one of the greatest young announcers in the country. Adam Amin here, he and Stacy with the Bulls are uh, fantastic. So that's a that's a short snippet of who, but but uh, Ian Eagle and Sean McDonough and and Costas too growing up are are three of the big ones for me. Quickly before we let you go, Jason, I have to ask this Thursday night after what happened at the field and, and the controversy that unfolded, the White Sox had an event at the Field Museum beyond the diamond. What was that like? Was that awkward at all because of what happened, or was that just a night to kind of get away from everything and it wasn't really an issue? I mean, it's, it's there. What I would say is the MVP was Pat McGann, the comedian, because Pat, when Pat got on stage, he basically uh, – turned whatever mood might have been like oh woe is the team for today like it's it's hanging in a room right like you can feel something like that and then pat got on stage and he just went through like a series of white socks jokes that basically tore all of that down if anybody was feeling it nobody at my table was really talking about that day they were just talking about the season as a whole but pat got on stage and he like he did some material that, that killed in one room. And because it was a white, like you're not going to get great laughs on Brooks Boyer content in a lot of rooms, but in that room, it killed. It was, Pat was remarkable. And, and so are you guys every single night. Uh, it's must watch television. It's so much fun. Just 
last night just you know watching uh and listening to you guys go up and back on dave your cameraman following that woman uh and, and scaring her that was i mean it was so subtly funny and you know that that's just the part of the broadcast that i really truly enjoy so much jason so thanks for thanks for joining uh, david and i and uh it, it's always a pleasure to listen to you and also have you on our show. Thanks, Jason. Guys, thanks, David. Thanks, Bruce. Really appreciate that. Jason Benetti, voice of the White Sox, NBC Sports Chicago, also the voice of Peacock uh, Network Baseball on Sunday mornings. Tomorrow, Bruce, I think he's doing Guardians and A's. That's Over correct. Can he, can he bring uh, Frankie Montas back with him to Chicago? That would that would be nice. Would Do you think nice. that would be any room in the overhead compartment? I mean, Frankie Montas, that's the kind of move you think the Sox might need to make. Maybe there's something else you have in mind. Let's keep the conversation going. 312-644-6767 inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Well, you know, right now, you know, it's just, uh, I don't have any doubt. Tony Russo will leave Chicago when he, he want to. Like, okay, guys, I got enough or whatever it is, whatever reason is. I don't think that decision would have come from people from, from the front office. You know what I mean? Uh, even couple of the best managers in the game, supposed to be the best manager in the game, they just got fired last week. And I mean, Joe and, 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 and the most Joe, Giardi and, and Madden. And all of a sudden, you think, like, oh, if those guys got fired, why, why Tony can get fired? Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock. That was Ozzie Guillen who made an emergency appearance on uh, the Mullen Haw Show Friday morning. Bruce, usually a Wednesday guest, came in on Friday to share his perspective on what happened Thursday. Great to talk to Jason Benetti. We're going to talk to Danny Mendick, the infielder for the White Sox at 10-15. Looking forward to that conversation, Bruce. Uh, what did you think about the way Ozzy framed Tony LaRusso's situation in terms of he, it, when he goes, it will be because Tony decides it's time and nobody else? No, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, I, I believe that, um, you know, when it comes time, I believe Jerry Reinsdorf will listen to Rick Hahn. He'll listen to Kenny Williams. He will not just go by saying, look, Tony's here for life, meaning mine, and he's staying here as long as I want him to. I don't believe that he's going to do that. I think hiring him, hiring him was different. I think he felt that this was the right guy, that he had let him go a long time ago, way in advance. And he felt for a team that Kenny and uh, and Rick have built to a championship caliber team, that he was the right guy to take it the rest of the way. He didn't want to wait for anybody else to, uh, to manage the team and look at it. He wanted to have the comfortability of someone he knew that had won championships and that he had a relationship with. Well and good, but I don't think he would stand in the way of his executives letting Tony Larusa go. Uh, with two, two, two caveats: one, give me the reason why. Okay, number one, and number two is always, if you're going to fire him, tell me who's going to replace him. Okay, okay. because yeah. we need to have a replacement, and I need to understand why he's going to be better 
than the, the manager or coach we have now. That's standard procedure for Jerry Reinsdorf. I have a totally different opinion on that, but we'll share it later. I want to get to the phone callers because they've been waiting for a long time. And the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Mike is in Plano. Good morning, Mike. Hey, guys. You know, David, what I appreciate about you is you've kept your criticism of Tony LaRusa strictly to the field and to the baseball operations, which is completely fair game. Where I've had problems is ever since he was hired, you've had certain people in the media and some of your colleagues at the station take his hiring very personally to the point where they're attacking his politics, his personal beliefs. Uh, he had a guy compared him uh, yesterday to a dinosaur at the field museum. Now, that, that's a bridge too far. And uh, because when, when you talk about Tony, you, don't want the, the, you want the fans to disapprove of the job he's doing but not hate the man because he doesn't deserve that. And uh, one, one thing, David, you're talking about is uh, bringing in Ozzie Gian. Here's the thing. Ozzie brought a lot of negative headlines himself. Now, he had that one magical year of 2005, but he only made the postseason one other time in his eight years of manager. His teams usually flamed out in the end. And uh, uh, Ozzie himself has described himself as a uh, Tony La Russa old-school type of baseball guy. So I just don't see where that would be an upgrade if – we're going to get a new manager. I would like to bring in somebody that's from uh, outside the organization completely that has no past affiliation with the White Sox whatsoever. That way we can get somebody that can uh, look at this team in a real sobering way. Mike, thanks for the phone call and the comments. That's an interesting perspective. Do you look at Ozzy and consider him an old-school manager as well, Bruce? I look at Ozzy and I see somebody with a World Series ring who hasn't managed in a very long time for reasons that are difficult to understand at this point in time but I also look at a guy whose growth is obvious both I would assume in the dugout and outside of that in these public forums and the platforms that he enjoys Ozzie Gian, and I don't want to put words in his mouth but I think even he would acknowledge I don't want to say grown up a lot but he certainly has tempered his approach to the point where it's a lot more professional than maybe it used to be, and I think he would benefit from that. And a team, any team that would hire him, whether it's the White Sox or anybody else, would see that firsthand. Well, there's a you know, from the people won't uh, relate to this, but Ozzy hasn't managed for as long as Larusa hadn't managed. Okay, Ozzy hadn't managed almost uh, ten years now. So from that perspective, um, you know, the the time element, social media has changed the entire world and the way that people express and look at their opinions, okay? So I think, I think Ozzy and everybody else is very aware of everything that you say is automatically in the world a second later. You know, it's, it's everywhere, okay? So from that perspective, yeah, I think Ozzy's a, a different guy. I think we all are different because of social media and the way uh, things are reported the way things uh, go on out there. But f- from from my opinion uh, on, uh, you know, bringing in a new manager, keep in mind when people say, well, Levine, Jerry's never going to fire Tony La Russa. Guess what? He's the only owner that has been involved ever that did fire Tony La Russa. Okay. He fired him along with Hawk Harrelson in 1986, okay? So from, from that perspective, uh, he, he has, uh, the White Sox normally don't fire managers during the season. The only other one 
during Jerry's tenure has been was uh, Gene Lamond in 1995. Uh, everyone else has completed a season before they were let go. So uh, I, I don't I, I don't think that Jerry would stand in the way of of Rick and Kenny if they wanted to make a change. Uh, if they presented the premise based on why and also who do you want there? I have a response to that, but we have to break. We've got a big hour ahead. Danny Menick, 1015. Your call is 312-644-6767. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.